dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Can you hear a baby breathing in the background? (laughs) I can totally hear a baby breathing in the background. I know, I can hear it. So you don't even say glory forever. Say glory forever. Glory to him forever. Yeah. You told Are me you it was something me? else. <laughs> no, he always says glory forever. And this is just, he's just making me mad. I'm realizing that both of you, see, this is the problem. You guys have to understand, like, if you if you don't want someone to do this, you have to not react so strongly. Like, just ignore me and I won't do things to you. You were a brother, right? Like, oh, you yeah. just had to ignore, I can see it all coming out, a sibling. But my other siblings are much worse because I'm the oldest. And usually Oh, so the- you're getting back at right. Natalia. Yes, and actually, that's, that's true. I'm I'm kind of provoking my my younger sister. Yeah. That's kind of what this is. So we actually were talking about that this morning at the hotel. Uh, I'll introduce I'll introduce our guest in just a second. But at the hotel today, so Father Michael and I are in Spokane. Is it Spokane or Spokane? You're right, Spokane. Mm-hmm. Okay, for the wedding of Paul Pelos and Lydia Sanchez. I don't know if I was supposed to say their names. I just did. It's fine. And at the hotel, we were talking we were talking about go karts again. And, uh, no, we were talking about how I'm training Anthony, who's 11. Um, I've become his uh, physical fitness coach. And I told him that the reason for this is I'm training him up to be able to beat you in arm wrestling, Father Michael. Because um, no matter how hard I work out and no matter how much you don't, I can never beat you in arm wrestling. So you're going to live vicariously through him? Um, yes. I, I told him that he needs to um, to beat you in my honor in my name so i this is so glory to mother Natalia. <laughs> <laughs> the, so so i you're the second female in my life who has been very very frustrated by the fact that i don't work out at all like once my whole life they work out every day they put a lot of work into being physically fit and being strong and then they think they can beat me in arm wrestling and this is one of those things where i go ladies like I'm sorry, like blame God. Like, like there's, there's the difference between men and women. Now, I know, I know there are women that can be in arm wrestling. I know there are, but I'm not, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't think this is some sort of pride thing. I'm saying like, I don't work out. I, I should not be good at arm wrestling and I'm really not good at arm wrestling, but there is something, um, there is something about that. But I know there are, who was saying like, like lower half the body women are stronger. So if, if we did that whole like- <laughs> that i was like i can do wall squats for days if we did like a squat competition or something I'd kill it. so somebody said that i forget who it was but um somebody said it and they and they, just kidding. <laughs> again the reaction mother so, so since, since there's three of us and two mics i'm having to hand the mic back and forth so that's why there's a little bit of a difference in the volume here um but if what, what's that game where you you sit on the ground laying opposite each other and then you like swing your feet back and, and link knees and then try to pull the other one over I've never heard of me this. neither. I've heard of I've heard of leg wrestling, which is like kind of similar to that, but it's not that. Yeah, so you just you lay you lay facing opposite. You lay with your head on opposite directions, mm-hmm. and then you 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 like put your line up your hips, like fling your right legs back and hook knees, and then you try to pull the other one over. That's there's a reason they don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the you're too old. This is apparently like from your your Father Michael just turned 44 yesterday. Yay. Yay. So anyways, the reason I even brought this up is because 
we were talking about arm wrestling and how I can never beat you and how infuriating it is. And then we were talking about go-karts and how I finally beat you at that. And we were talking about all of this. And this is the, the older brother thing is what reminded me of this. I just go, I wonder... I wonder which of my wounds it speaks to that I live my life just wanting to beat Father Michael at everything. Like everything in my life is a competition with Father Michael. And I'm like, that's probably not healthy. And Rob Pelos was like, yeah, you might want to, you might want to delve into that. Well, and so we can do it in our next spiritual direction. That's why I'm here. I'm a counselor. So this is going to be a, a public counseling session. This is relationship counseling. So mother, I'm going to let you introduce our special guest, but that was a great introduction by the way, Casey. That was really great. Um, I just woke up the baby with my very loud laugh, but she's back asleep now and everything's okay. So um, our guest today is Casey Dale. And I met Casey, she came on a discernment retreat out at the monastery in December. And then uh, she had just a really cool experience immediately upon getting home from the discernment retreat, like when the flight landed. So I'll have her share that with you. But she lives like an hour and a half from here, sorry, mm-hmm. from where we are in Spokane. Yes. And so um, I asked if we could meet up while I was here in town, and she met up with Father Michael and me, and she we got to talking. She paid me. I was like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I paid her to be my friend. It's the, only, <laughs> it's the only way I get friends, actually. And so she met up with Father Michael and me, we had lunch, and then we just had a really amazing discussion about uh, something that Casey's doing in life, and... Father Michael was like, we need to have her on the podcast. And then we sat down to record a podcast. That's how it all happened. So Play yeah. by play. So welcome, Casey. And you are a mental health counselor? Sorry. That's right. <clears throat> yep. Um, and how long have you been doing that? Um, a few years now. Mm-hmm. A few years. I, I've worked, yeah, with addictions and just kind of all mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the the thing that we were talking about that we wanted to delve into here was your experience of foster parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you tell us just a little bit of like how you got into that and um, your first couple experiences as much as you can share of that? Um, and then also what happened right after the discernment retreat? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I'll kind of start with your first question. And what I love is like, I'll probably pause quite a bit and just if you have questions as we're going, because I'm, yeah, I'm not like awesome with just like, like speaking <laughs> everything. But um, no, that's a great question. I hear all the times like, what even got you into foster parenting? And I think that's a beautiful question like for us all to reflect on. That is like my greatest passion is um, we as Christians, like I, I believe it was the early Christians that I need to look up what the story is literally, but Um, what I had heard once was that when children were taken to the dump, like just dumped there, it was the early Christians who went and took them home. Um, And so, yeah, there's the question of how are we responding to that need that is actually, I mean, we just, we don't have enough foster parents now um, and, and who better to respond to the call. And that's exactly how I, first got introduced to it because growing up I I didn't know at all um that was just not in my world um but after I graduated from college there's a group home a foster group home um because I mean for a lot of the teens and young children ages five five to 19 had extreme behavioral issues but also some kids were put there because we don't have enough foster parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was working there, one thing I just, I mean, these kids were so beautiful, you know? Um, 
And so it was heartbreaking how often I heard, it makes sense that this was their takeaway, but how often I heard that, no, I don't think I'm lovable because if I, if I were, someone would have wanted me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Which is really, uh, I mean, how many of us actually feel that way even without going through foster care, right? right? <laughs> like, right. That's, that's a question I've had to battle with myself for my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have so many people who do choose me, who do love me and all mm-hmm. of that, and it's still a struggle. And so how much more so if like this experience you're having of the world kind of reinforces this lie that you're hearing, that you're mm-hmm. not wanted and that you're not loved. Yeah, great. And that's awesome you're vulnerable with that because I'll admit like for my own story, I think that's one reason like I'm, I was more sensitive to that as well of just, um, you know, no one has perfect parents, right? We all do the best we can. And so, but that's the beauty of brokenness that in not receiving what you need, um, it, there's the potential for us to then turn to um, find healing as well in loving another person who needs it. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I have like found a lot of healing in loving kids um, through getting to foster. Um, so yeah, and you, and you know, it's just amazing to just really, you look at some of these kids and you think just if they hadn't experienced neglect or abuse or were left in this group home, how drastic their life would be, like differently, I mean. Um, and so the the group home aspect, that's harder because that can be kids, kids may end up in a group home until they age out of the system. And so like having a foster parent, like who is really like invested in it, you can, you can change a kid's life. Even, you know, when people say like, well, what if you only have them a year? Um, but you look at child development, which is my background. Um, if you, you have them at a developmental stage, which psychologically actually can affect how they trust the world just because you met their needs consistently for a year. So like, the fruit of someone fostering, even if it's for a month, you know, like it's, it's boundless. That was the exact question I was going to have because I oftentimes, and from personal experience, I have a hard time understanding this because I grew up with just an amazing family. Mother mentioned to you earlier. And so there's times when I, as a vocations director, where I see in someone's story an immense brokenness and even even no, you know, I, I we've interviewed men, married men who have children that that are just they're not functioning well in the world. And this man wants to be a priest, and and that gives me an opportunity as a vocations director to look at the psyche of all, but also to, to discern and say, you know, there's something about there's something I this sounds odd, but there's something I'm lacking. I don't complain about this. There's something I'm lacking in the experience of what most people come to me because when most people come to a priest, just like going to a cop, right? Most of our experience of doing ministry is when someone's having a hard time. Mm-hmm. It's when they're broken, when they're when they're having the worst day of their life, as, as cops say. So, like I, so I need I don't understand that from personal experience level, but the longer I'm a priest, I understand it better. So one thing I always struggled with was saying, okay, so you, you have, you had one bad experience. You, you had one person say when you, when you were 12 years old, who, who made fun of you for something. And then you have a million people after that who affirm you for that exact same thing. Why doesn't that millions overwhelm the one that's hurt? And I, I never understood that. Um, and what you're saying here 
makes complete sense. Maybe when you're 12, it's, it's, we have this psychological thing. Our brain keeps on going back to the negative. We mm-hmm. keep on going back to the hurt. We, we, we want to focus on the hurt where we want to focus on the good and the healing. Um, but for within child development, that's beautiful and fascinating that, that because I mean, you're, you're, kids right now are not going to remember mm-hmm. the details, but it's going to be that foundation of the love you show them is going to be so foundational that they grow up healthy without quite knowing why they're healthy mm-hmm. or, or not as broken as they would have been if you had not taken them for this time. Kind of like Hosea. Do you remember that, that part in Hosea? I believe it's Hosea. Just like, that's what I love about that um, scripture part. Uh, what is it? The fa- uh, God that says like, you know, I fostered you like a child and, and you did not know I was your healer. Yeah. Um, and th- so the reality of like what I'm doing for these kids is like what God has done for most of my life, mm. you know, and probably continues to do, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a really good segue into even the conversation that we had. Can we just jump right into that conversation? The one that right before we got out of the car, uh, not the not the one about the police officer, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other one. Um, the you can ask me anyone who knows me about that one. I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh man, she's just so cute. Mm-hmm. I I have I have the baby. Can we come up with a fake name? Because it's really weird to like yeah, not whatever you want. It's um, your baby's name. You get to choose Mother Natalia. What would you um, have named your baby? Well. Um, uh, that's a really great question. Real deep. I, seriously, <laughs> um, if I had a boy, I'm a counselor. I don't know about a girl. Uh, I don't know. It, was there hard. a female version of Micah? I mean, Micah. Actually, there are. Micah can be used as a girl's name. Let's do it. Um, all right. So this is baby Micah. <laughs> she's she's a girl. She's how old is she? Eight months. Eight months. <clears throat> so I have um, the I have Micah on me right now because if she cries we're gonna let Casey stay on with Father Michael and I'm gonna walk around with her but anyways um, but she's asleep because Mother Natalia is so nurturing yeah it was actually the bottle I'm pretty (laughs) sure but yeah we can say it was me but she's just absolutely adorable anyways uh, yeah so the conversation that we were having right before we got out of the car for lunch um, about attachment can you kind of share what you were sharing with that about just the the attachment that you're already experiencing and then um, like the, the beauty of that attachment and, and how you found it to be sort of a microcosm of just uh, the, the rest of the world and the rest of uh, reality. I'll, I'll lead off like I did in the car. Sorry to interrupt you, Casey. But like, um, so I, my, I have multiple siblings that foster and one sibling that's now adopted, two little brothers, mm-hmm. two little boys. Um, and so one of my siblings... Uh, stopped fostering after two to three babies um, because their their other children got so attached, and the they just discerned for their family that when you bring in another baby and then have to give that baby away, you know, within a couple of days or I think I think the longest they had a baby was six months. Like mm. you have a baby for six months and then you have to get that baby away. And then mm-hmm. for adults, it's incredibly hard and you had to go through the whole morning process. But for other children, they had four mm-hmm. other children. And and they, they discerned that for their family it just was not the right thing because how 
how much mourning and how debilitating that mourning was. And, and you said it yourself, like this, this is unnatural. It, this should not mm-hmm. be happening. You should not have a child for six months and have to give it away. Mm-hmm. So, so, but, but that unnaturalness was doing more damage to the family than it was helping. And yet another family was able to foster, but now they've, now they were able now to adopt two of the boys that they were fostering. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that one came to a good conclusion, but, but we were talking about that, that attachment, the mourning process, then you just said something very beautiful, if you remember, about how that can be actually helpful. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll, I think this is what you're talking about, but just let me know, just, you know, do the <laughs> to your, like, the hand to your neck, like, if that's not it. Um, but just, um, well, I know, I think one thing that has helped me to accept it and kind of well, see that maybe I'm no different as a foster parent than all of us in the respect that nothing belongs to us. No one belongs to us. Like we are going to lose every single person in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and grief is probably one of the most difficult things we will ever experience. And um, But yeah, uh, your child, uh, a relationship, friend, um, family member, like whether you go first or someone else does, you know, like just we all, we all, I mean, nothing, yeah. Like nothing, no one belongs to us forever here on earth. Um, and and so the reality is um, that's, that's always in my face <clears throat> um, as a foster parent. And, and then so it's that, and there's kind of two things to that. Like on one hand, it's really, I'm kind of grateful for it because it makes me, it, I never take for granted a moment with these kids. Every night I lay them down to bed. Like I just all, like after they've fallen asleep, I'll go back in and I'll like just look at them um, because it's like, I don't know how many more nights I'll have of that. And so like, I'm just really, you know, just grateful for the gift. And that's the reality for all of us. Like we're all a gift for each other. And if if we knew that for ourselves, of ourselves, like how deeply a gift we are and, and the people in our lives. Um, and then just, yeah, how, um, are you gonna say something? Well, I, I think that's incredible because first of all, I found the quote, Hosea 11.3. Um, and I was like a foster father to Ephraim. I carried them in my arms and they knew not that I healed them. Mm-hmm. Like that's intense because, you know, they're, they're a gift to you, as you said, in, mm-hmm. in multiple ways, ways you probably don't even know. Mm-hmm. You're obviously a gift to them, but they may not ever know. Right. They may, like, they're going to be adults. They might not even know who you are. Right. Like that's intense. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're a gift to them and they may never know that you're a gift. Right. Like, like they know now and they, they like in heaven they'll know, but mm-hmm. they may not, they might not know your name or know who you are when they're old enough to, you know, to try to process what's happening with them. Right. Right. So that's, um, yeah, I mean, th- that's also obviously a very humble thing because it's not only you, or any foster parent mourning having to give the kid up. The foster system, also something that we saw in my family was that the foster parent doesn't have an input on where they go. Yeah, yeah, right now that's kind of, you know, that's the hard part is like, I don't, I would not be able to do this if I didn't believe in God. That is a fact. Um, um, Because really like I have to let go of control. Um, When they're in my, like I love fostering because, um, 
it, I love it better than babysitting because I mean, they're in my home. I get to set routines. I get to set the schedule, like I, how I care for them consistently. Um, like everything's in my control in that way. Um, but then yeah, in transitioning, which has happened recently as a possibility, it's like, everything is, is that reality of like, oh, remember they're not yours. So let's enter into, back into that reality right in your face. Um, and okay, what's the response? You know, um, control's an illusion, right? So it's like, oh, now I'm losing control. But no, like the reality is as human beings, we never have full control. And so like, thankfully, that's what I mean, my favorite book quote and thing to think on is abandonment to divine providence. Mm. And so the reality is I, I never am in full control, but God is. And so that's the process. It, they're a gift to me. A, you know, I'm a gift to them. And the Lord, who is the healer, right? He's the one who's maybe holding all of us in his arms, right? And um, well, what's next? Mm -hmm. Like he knows, he's all good knowing and all powerful, right? And so that's what I have to understand. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, two things. One is something that I've shared often on the podcast. And whenever I give a talk, people ask, uh, what's what's the hardest part of your monastic life? And what I typically say is is poverty of time, because I I don't have any of my own time at the monastery. Like even even the times that are you know quote unquote free time is like well if a pustinic shows up and like I need to walk them over to the pustinia and if they you know if they're late or whatever and. Um, or if mother asks me to do something with that time, like now that's what I'm doing. And so we we don't really have our own time. Um, so that's the hardest thing for me. Uh, one of the hardest, I shouldn't say the hardest, but I also very much acknowledge what a gift it is because the reality is that no, none of us have our own time. Mm -hmm. Like we're all on God's time. Mm -hmm. And so as a monastic, I'm able to see that more quickly and more yeah. clearly. Like that purification is already happening. Whereas mm -hmm. when you're in the world, it's very easy to trick yourself into thinking that it's your time, like mm -hmm. to trick yourself into thinking that you have the control. So I think that's, that's very much what you're saying is you get this experience of realizing more quickly and more clearly what is actually the truth for all of us, but that mm -hmm. we're self-deceived into thinking right. um, that it's not the truth. But so that's, that's one thing, but uh, the the other thing that you were talking about in this same conversation about attachment that I thought was very beautiful and speaks to what Father Michael is saying of this um, this aspect of humility. Uh, it was very clear to me to see how much you sincerely love Micah and Father Michael. What's her older brother is going to be named? Going to be named? What, what kind of grammar was that? What are we going to name her older brother? Let's say Basil. Basil. Oh, that's a good one. So Micah and Basil. I regret saying Micah. Okay, whatever. Anyways, What's so, Micah's middle name? We can refer to Micah as by the middle name. Um, well, I don't know. She's Well, she's waking up. We could ask her. Uh, oh, just flinging her head around. Okay, so the... Anyways, Micah and Basil. What I... This, this aspect that I saw of your humility and your great love was as you were talking about the desire to foster an attachment between them and their birth mother. Um, and like you want them to have that attachment so that they can have a healthy relationship with her. Um, if God willing, they're able to go back to her one day. And, and it just, it reminds me very much, this is morbid, but it reminds me very much of, of the story of um, the two women who both were claiming the baby as their son. And it's Samson, right? Is the one who, or I mean, uh, Solomon, 
Um, and and Solomon comes up with this plan, right? And he's like, we're gonna we're gonna cut the baby in half, and then you can each have half. And the one who's the true mother. Uh, says no, just give the baby to her. She can mm. have the baby, and that's how he knows that that she's the real mother because mm-hmm. there's this this sincerity and self sacrificial nature in her love. And I just very much saw that as as like you're not worried about the the kids um, being attached to you any more than in the sense of their current attachment is good for them to experience being loved, being wanted, being desired, all of that. Um, but you really want the attachment that's going to be best for them in the long run. And there is something to say for your witness to, to community and the, the reality that, that, that in a society, we all have a responsibility for the children coming up in our society. I've shared before the story about when I went to Turkey and was, was absolutely shocked. And I was so sad for our country that we don't do this. But in Turkey, you, if you need help with a baby you, or any child, you hand that child to any woman. And that woman will take care of your child. And I saw it multiple wow. times on the bus. We get on a bus, a mom would jump on and she would have groceries in one arm, a kidney stroller and a baby in the other arm. And she would plop that baby down on the first woman she saw on that bus. And the woman would hold that baby the whole time. And there was no, not even any dialogue. It was just like plop down and the baby was sitting on this other woman's lap and take care. And then they get to get off the bus. Like the one, the one I was closest to, no dialogue. The, the women never said anything. Wow. It was just completely expected. That, that, that you're going to take care of the baby for me. And I, I was like, there's this common understanding of the common help that we offer to each other. I'm, I'm starting to think more and more and more, how do we empower the church to do this so that, that the government doesn't need to be so involved in charity work mm-hmm. because the church is. We, we did this very, very well in the past. I think we're kind of, unfortunately, we're moving. By the way, another book that all of you should read is... Um, Many of you have probably already read it, but it's it's called um, From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. I think something like that. From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. It's by um, the University of Mary, Monsignor Shea up there. It's a short book. It's great. It's talking about this transition from a time of expecting most people to have Christian, at least ethics and morality and a foundation of Christian values to a time when they, when, the, when most people don't. And we're in that transition now. The, the authors believe and so do I. Um, so I think in that sense, we need to, we need to stop assuming that the church is going to do that and actually make it happen on a smaller level. Um, but there's something about that that corporate corporate responsibility um, for high precious. <laughs> just looking at me. You just woke up, huh? I'm gonna get half a smile. All right. Um, okay. There's a full smile. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, so yeah, the, but the, the corporate response you to, and that was part of your story that I did not know until we started recording, um, was your you saw a need, you saw there wasn't enough, and you jumped in to fulfill it, and you saw that God had given you gifts in your training and in your life that allowed you to do that. Mm. So I'm, I'm feeling very ineloquent right now, but I, there, there is something that you are, you're representing that, that time, treasure, talent, that stewardship. Mm. Um, you're understanding your own gifts well, what they are and how they can serve the wider society, wider church, and you're acting on it. So thank mm. you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fruit of prayer, right? Um, yeah. No, I think it's beautiful. Like sisters of life, um, you know, we are pro-life, but they, you know, a single mother who can't do it, they get to live there, you know? And, and so it's like, if I want to be pro-life, um, this is very, like, can I, can I get my hands dirty? That's the question. Like, can we get our hands dirty? Um, 
Um, I just started watching A Hidden Life. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's so good. Yeah, and there's that long dialogue, right, of are we admirers of Christ or followers? Have you have you seen that, Father Michael? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and so then do you remember that dialogue by mm-hmm. the painter? And so that's the question is, what are what is the image of a Christian? You know, what is a Christian supposed to be? You know, the answer is found obviously in deep prayer, right? Um, but really, like, are we just admirers? Does Christ look comfortable and just, you know, oh, beautiful, comfortable watching him from afar? Um, or is he bloody and exhausted um, and and real? Mm-hmm. That, that reminds me of an amazing homily I once heard. And I don't know if this is like... I definitely, I definitely thought you were going to say an amazing homily I once gave. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Cut him off. Um, an amazing homily I once heard. And now I don't know how like academically accurate this is, um, but it was uh, it was a priest. <laughs> By the way, one thing you said earlier that that was what was heart wrenching to hear was that um, without telling too much, you you, you when you go to um, the her older brothers. What do we basil? When you go to basil daycare to pick up, he runs to you, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do that for everybody, you know. So yeah. there, there's that attachment that's going to be hard for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but what was I saying? Squirrel. Thank you. An amazing- Number one, it's great that he's formed that attachment because when he gets older, yes. he'll be able to run to someone without fear of doing so, knowing he can trust mm. that they'll pick him up and hold him. Literally, that's what we see in adult relationships is that fear that goes deeper to childhood. I, I had this experience. So I, I went to, uh, I'll get back to you, Father Michael. I remember what you were talking about. So I'm He wants to finish. tell us about his awesome holiday. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I, I was uh, taking care of my nephew for like a week. He was living with my parents while my sister was having um, a hard time going through some stuff. And so I went out there for just a week to, to take care of him so that my mom could have kind of a week off because she, she was just struggling like physically to, to, with everything. So uh, for the, the week that I was there, I took him to and from school every day and like made dinner for everyone and cleaned the house and all that. And so uh, every day when I picked him up from school, he would um, be so excited. He'd run out and he'd be like, Sister Natalia. And he'd run and jump in my arms and, um, and I'd give him a big hug and like carry him to the car, right? And he's, at this point, he's probably like, uh, he was probably like eight. And, um, and one, of the, one of the times I picked him up, I think it was my last day there. And he like jumped in my arms and I picked him up and his teacher just says to him, you're, you're too big to be carried. Um, and I just like, I just glare at her. And then as I'm walking away, I just whispered in his ear, um, I will always carry you, Angelo, you know? And then, but yeah. I was just like, I was so mad at her. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like this, this child just needs to be held. He needs yeah. to be carried. He needs all of these things right now. Yeah. But, uh, I, I want to hear about this, this amazing homily, Father Michael. <laughs> I know this can probably be prog- problematic, but the, the, the part of the homily that was, was, I thought was really beautiful was that the priest said that, um, in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Um, God said they could eat from any of the trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So why didn't, he said, why didn't they eat from the tree of life? Oh. Yeah. I literally never thought of that. Right, so I, 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 know, I, know, I know scholars may say something else, but, but this, it was a homily which can be, which does not be completely scholarly, but um, he said, 
because the tree of life was a foreshadowing of the cross. Because hmm. uh, the cross is the tree of life. And the Eucharist, the fruit of the tree of life is the Eucharist, the body of Christ, which is hanging on the cross, just like the fruit. So in other words, the tree of life was not attractive to them. Hmm. And and now they were, what they needed was they hmm. needed they needed to become children of God, which they weren't in the same way, of course. In other words, they needed they needed to receive from the tree of life, in, which we do now in the Eucharist, in order to understand its beauty. But but viscerally, the tree of life was not attractive because we look at the cross, and it's, like you said earlier, Casey, like the tree of life isn't attractive in one way, even though it is everything to us. It gives us life, but what that life requires is a certain sacrifice. Not only our sacrifice, we have to look at the sacrifice others have made, appreciate that for what it is and then see that that you know what unless a green wheat falls to the ground that dies you know it cannot bear fruit so the the life of self-denial the life of the cross the life of of kind of trudging through our own sin and getting back up again i mean you're an addictions counselor right Mm -hmm. you you know you've seen people walk the cross but that, that that's painful by their own fault you know, and other reasons, but like, like people walk that cross and we're all, I've been to probably five or six 12 step meetings in my life with, with people. And I, I just, every time I go, I think, I don't know what you think about 12 step process, but like I, every time I go, I think everybody should go through this because mm-hmm. everybody has those, those compulsions, those addictions, those, those tendencies to everybody. do things mm-hmm. that when we, when we become vulnerable in that way and actually say it out loud, it can be so incredibly helpful. But I mean, does that, is, I, I don't remember exactly what you were saying, but you're reflecting upon real life is that the, the messiness and the ugliness of the cross. And there's a reason why we who are evangelizers are trying to make that look attractive enough to attract people to the faith and an authentic living of the faith. While still we need to acknowledge the, the, the ugliness in a sense of it because the cross was ugly mm-hmm. and the most beautiful person in the world who was the ideal person, Jesus Christ was ugly for that time. In a sense, our, our, our prayers were, reflect that very well. Even the mother of God saying that, that it was. Um, I was just going to share that that's one of my favorite lines from Matins is when we're, we're putting words into the mouth of the Theotokos of Mary and, and she uh, it's on, I think it's Friday Matins and, but she says, or Vespers, man. Anyways, she says, she looks up, it's at Matins and she, she looks up to the cross and says, Oh my son, where has your beauty gone? And uh, to to not recognize to not not be able in a human sense to see the beauty of uh, God for one, but also your own son, like your own child, um, to to not be able to to see that beauty in a very human sense. If you have any last thoughts, go ahead. But if not, um, if you could explain just briefly, what's the process for becoming a foster parent? But if you have any other other thoughts, let's please do that first. Well, um, I kind of mentioned this. Um, word earlier, ecstasy. And just while you were just talking about um, the tree of life um, and just entering into the brokenness and yet finding like a deeper life there. Um, I One of my favorite things right now is just like, I'm captivated by the fact that ecstasy, which literally like drug users, you know, and um, all of us, by the way, we all try escape to escape things through our addictions, whatever it may be. Um, but we're looking for this ecstasy, for this high. And when you look at the word ecstasy, ecstasis is outside of yourself, which like, so that's our freedom, you know? And I mean, look at the cross, right? That's outside of yourself, you know? And so that's the paradox, Um and there's, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, I just yeah. well, I could, I could use that as as a pastoral counselor, as a, as a pastor, a shepherd of souls, in a spiritual direction. You could obviously use that in your profession. But there's something to say that God wants to give you what you desire. So you desire ecstasy. You desire to be outside of yourself. There's a right way of doing that and a wrong way of right. doing that. And so, and this is the way of the devil, right? God, God says, "Here's something good." Mm-hmm. That you, and the devil, just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, says. Mm-hmm. I want to give you that same thing, but twisted, mm-hmm. like mutated in, right. in a way that's actually going to harm you mm-hmm. and, the, and the church and the body of Christ rather than help you. Yeah. I, mean, I love the, the example of the prodigal son, right? Prodigal just means reckless. The prodigal son was reckless, but the father was reckless in his love. I've shared this before. So you, you can be reckless and it can be a good thing and you can be reckless. It can be a bad thing. You know, you can, you can have fasting, you can do it the right way or you can do it the selfish way. You can have almsgiving for the right reasons, for the wrong reasons. Like all these things that are so good and beautiful, even prayer, right? If you're if you're praying on the street corner for everybody to see you, you're using prayer wrongly. Mm-hmm. The beautiful things God has given us can also be completely abused. And, and ecstasy is a way of saying, you desire to be outside of yourself. You desire escape in a sense. Um, there, there's a wrong way of doing that. There's a selfish way of doing that that's actually more damaging. And then there's the good way, which is charity, mm-hmm. putting another first. You know, all the things that you're doing right now, you know, um, in, in putting two little souls. Right, princess? You say a word? Wait, what do you have to say? Come on, Micah. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> She's got stage fright now. <laughs> I, I barely heard her say a word. She's like the happiest baby oh, yeah, I've ever seen. She's just smiles. sitting there smiling the whole time. <laughs> Amen. Um, anyway, thank you for that. Um, we should probably we should probably start closing out with our our final thing. Any any final words, though, Casey? I, it's been an honor to have you here. And even even from your like mental health training, is there anything you'd like to share oh, with gosh. basic Catholic listeners from? Wow. And, your training or what you do, experiences, et cetera? Mm-hmm. While I think, is there anything you want to say, Mother Natalia? Uh, no. Well, let's, just, let's just go ahead and do prayers, prayers. and then we'll let her think. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do intentions. Actually, do the... The spiel. The spiel. Okay. Do we have to keep doing that forever? We can talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we are on all of the podcast places. And so wherever you listen to our podcast, please rate and review and say nice things and whatever. <gasps> Micah's finally talking. <laughs> Micah's like, stop doing this. I'm with you, Micah. Okay, so uh, we have, um, you can check out on Goodreads, all of the books that we've ever mentioned on the podcast, as well as other books that Father Michael and I are reading. We have a Goodreads page. And then uh, Facebook and Instagram. You can follow Father Michael on Twitter at at Padre Michael O and <laughs> Michael's going crazy. Uh, and so those are all the things I think. Um, and YouTube, we have a YouTube channel. It's just, it's audio only, but it's YouTube and um, Patreon. Yes. So our nonprofit that Father Michael and I started, Fotina, we have a Patreon for that. So the um, Fotina is P H O T I N A. That's P H O T I N A. And our website for that nonprofit is fotina.org. And then we also have our podcast website, which is whatgodisnot.com. And, um, and on Patreon, you can find us through What God Is Not as well. And those are all the things. Um, prayer intentions. Um, I'm going to ask you all to pray for Casey Dale, who is our guest on this podcast today. Thank um, you. Please do. <laughs> pray for her that she may be a uh, a good and 
um, detached in all the ways that she needs to be and attached in all the ways that she needs to be um, as a foster mother. And that's it. Micah's maybe going to say something. Nope. <laughs> um, well, have you had any other thoughts and then your prayer intentions? Um, I, you know, um, oh gosh, there's so much to say. Um, but, um, you know, I would, I would just say for everyone, um, when you think about your own mental health or your own, you know, things you've experienced in life, um, like just, I guess as we've been talking, it's like, you know, you were sharing, okay, you could take this good thing and twist it, right? Like do, you know, approach it in the wrong way. And, and the reality is like, the more we know that the Lord knows our story and has created us with that story, the question is like, what does he want to do with that story? So, and in any of your struggles, just know that's, I think the thing of ecstasy is take like allowing your struggle to, bring you closer to Christ, which takes you out of yourself. And then in that you find a greater freedom. So just, you know, I, um, there's so much when it comes to mental health and things you struggled with, but knowing like those struggles aren't stumbling blocks. It's not, oh, if only I hadn't experienced this, then I'd be more free. The reality is like, for example, we know in research when um, a mother and a child, right? Like if they have a break, a breakage point. Um, research shows that if that is mended, the bond is actually stronger than if it had never been broken before at all. So like imagining that with your life. Um, yeah, it'd be great if you hadn't experienced this or that. Um, but now that you have, maybe, I mean, what's that gonna, how much more, you know, nurturing or strong um, or sensitive can you be um, for other people and um, come to know like deeper things about yourself that you honestly wouldn't have ever come to realize um, had this never happened to you. And um, so that's just the beautiful thing is just, just um, keep taking your struggles to the Lord um, and, and finding what he wants to do with that beauty. Cause that's the cross, right? The cross always leads to resurrection. So just, just keep pushing for that resurrection. Um, yeah. Amen. Thank you. Do you have any prayer intentions? Let's pray for the two kiddos. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, they might be going home in the next month and I don't know how long that would mean until this comes out. Um, probably just a week or two after I think we're recording a couple weeks out right now. Yeah, we're, we're quite behind, so it'll be soon. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, so just, you know, um, be praying for their, um, they want to go home, right? And I mean, like, they love it with me, right? I'm sure, but like every child wants to be with their parent. And so let's pray that they receive that fullness with that parent. Um, and that maybe this was just an added gift that I got to meet them and that they, um, you know, my little boy especially, like every night before going to bed, loves holding this picture of Jesus. I sent you a picture of that. Loves it. Like when you say good night, 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 and he always points to the picture with Jesus and wants to hold it. So, you know, it's like, you never know. Um, and so please just pray for them. He's <laughs> the cleaner. All right, I'll ask you to pray for two things. Pray for those, I, I, this has been my attention before, those who want to have children but can't. Um, yes. I, I think it's so hard for people who want to have children and our Lord has not given them one yet to see that there are other children who are not appreciated by their families. Right. 
and that can be like that is just one of those big question marks I will always have for God, you know. And I know I know they do too. It's like why 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 do you give a child to this person who cannot handle or will not handle? Like God has his reasons, and I know they're good. But 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 it's just a question. I just for peace for those who want to have children and can't. You know, and with that. What I've seen, because I've fostered a few times, I've seen, and actually some people I know too who never wanted to have kids, it's like the Lord allowed it for you know some of these people that it then changed their life. They had to wake up and turn from their addictions and turn from their things. Um, and so that was required for their healing, for them to wake up. And it's almost like... Um, Maybe the Lord wants you, you know, as painful as it is, um, there's the cross, like, um, it is just asking you tenderly, you know, um, to love him, like, in a different way. Um, and I tell you, like, I know a lot of people are afraid of fostering. I've done it three times, and um, it's, there are pains, but there are pains with every kind of, you know, thing you do, every caring for children, like, please don't be afraid and pray and discern about it. Like it could be one of your greatest freedoms. Amen. Um, it'd be okay. Can you share your, your, uh, coaching? Is that something you could do? That would be so awesome. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, please. Any Yeah, come and, come and find me guys. Um, do you have a website? Um, no, how do I share that? It's so new. Um, can we put in the notes, mm-hmm. like a contact? Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Just know that... Um, uh, so just spell your name in case you wanted to Google it. Okay. Um, C-A-S-E-Y. Okay. And then Dale, D-A-I-L. And funny enough, my picture is ecstasy and it has this <laughs> definition. Oh, are, um, are you on Instagram or anything like that or is it your website? Um, there's... I'm on Facebook. Oh, you're on Facebook. Yep, okay. and that's my only one I'm on. Um okay. Uh, so feel free to you know message me there. But you um, you do coaching across. I do state coaching. Lines, right? Yep, and so I'm a mental health counselor, but I'm starting to do coaching because you can go outside of the state, uh, out of you know any state. Um, and I like to work a lot. I don't do just like talk therapy because that's that's another little tidbit I could say quickly is if you tried counseling and it didn't work, um, there might be a reason for that because we can't just talk through our problems because that's a different part of our brain that's developed into our twenties. And so when you look at trauma and emotions uh, and yeah, depression, anxiety, like that's your emotional brain that's developed early on. And so in count, in coaching, we target that and like the body, how it shows up in your body. So I love to work with addictions. There's a lot of like trauma aces behind addiction that, um, yeah, just come and find me and see, see, you know, if, if it's something you want. And we uh, we'll, we'll put it in the notes, and you can also direct message us, and we can pass you along to whatever yeah. because you're brand you're brand new with this. So brand like, new. we'll we'll once you get everything up, we'll we'll, we'll share all of that information. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. And let us know when you're ready to start giving Father Michael and I counseling. Um, <laughs> so father father daughter counseling. There's a lot of healing that needs needs to be done there. Um, all right, uh, Father, can you give us a blessing? I literally was like mother asked me to give a blessing so I did like I handed the microphone to her did like the blessing sign I think she thought I was like asking her to give a blessing (laughs) I can't do that (laughs) all right may Lord bless you and keep you cause his face to shine upon you have mercy on you may our Lord allow you to call to mind those who need your prayers most um, especially those who are struggling anyway with their families with addictions um, with relationships with their own compulsions. 
may you call them to mind and also find hope if you are in that situation. May our Lord give you true and divine hope that all can only come from him. May our Lord guide you and allow you to witness the reality of the world, to see any brokenness in your past as something that our Lord can take and make helpful as part of that same hope. May our Lord guide you in your relationships and your friendships. May he give you a generous heart. If you are called to foster, to adopt, um, may our Lord let that vocation sit strongly um, on your heart that you may call and answer well. May he give you the courage necessary, the generosity necessary, um, the humility necessary to do what he asks and whatever your vocation is. May our Lord bless you in all of this and save your soul. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks. Love you, Father Michael. Love you, Casey. Oh, I love you, bestie. (laughs) Bye, guys. Love y'all.